0: Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl Sandra, ready to go through a quarter, final, penalty kick, shootout with everyone. I think that's what we're going to label it, folks. There's uh, some things to go through in the 90-minute regulation period of this game. Some questions that we have, probably not a lot of answers for you. But we're going to try our best, as always, and then eventually go through the reactions to the penalty kicks. So there's a lot to go through here, guys. And of course, I couldn't do it alone. I ever do anything alone. But I'm here today with my friend, homie and colleague, Claire Watkins, aka Scam Originator. How are you doing today, Claire?
1: I'm good. i um, ready to talk about a Chicago
0: Red Stars advancement what an advancement it was (laughs) guys the number three versus the number six red stars uh there was some storylines heading into this match and of course for context we will go through some of those right now with you all uh the rankings are fake. We have been talking about that for a while. We got a listener in postgame comments confirming this as well. Uh, but this is how they were ranked up in terms of the seating for this matchup on this day. Number three, O.L. Reign. Number six, Chicago. Uh, the return for uh, Jess Fishlock and a player like Sofia Huerta for... O.L. Reign, that was huge. They, they were battling back through some injuries. They were able to make appearances in their final group match against Portland Thorns FC, and it was perfect timing as they were getting ready to take on our Chicago Red Stars because uh, we both felt, I think, Claire, that those were two players in particular who would probably have a huge impact uh, for the Reign moving forward into this quarterfinal. Um, And obviously, everyone remembers that name, right? Sophia Huerta was here for a while, did some really cool things, went to some really cool places in the playoffs with these teams. Um, So all that stuff is always uh, talked about again, in terms of, you know, big knockout. Type environment game. So uh, those were just a few of the things on the reigns end of of storylines. And for Chicago, there was discussion about how they were going to line up. Uh, Obviously, the goal scoring was a storyline for both of these two teams as well, struggling in front of net throughout their group play. And uh, for the Red Stars, they would be without uh, Morgan Gattrall, Yuki Nagasato, and Tierna Davison for this match. Uh, just some of those more precautionary than others. Uh, but there were some questions about how the midfield was going to look. Of course, how the top line was going to look, knowing that those struggles were still going on offensively. Um, but, yeah, a lot, uh, lot of interesting stuff heading into this match, which was why I think we're both um, eager to talk about the really nothing that kind of came out of the 90 minutes uh, on both sides of the ball here. So I think for starting 11s for first reactions, we're going to go with our side first. We're going to talk about how the red stars lined up to start. They had a listener in net Casey short, Sarah Gordon, Julie Ertz, Bianca, St. Georges, Savannah McCaskill, Vanessa Bernardo, Danny Colaprico, Kalea Watt, Katie Johnson, and Rachel Hill. To round out, they're starting 11. Claire, what were some of your initial reactions when you saw this starting next?
1: Um, I mean, I think a lot of it made a lot of sense. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously without Davidson available, um, having Ertz and Gordon inside and St. George's on the outside has become the preferred um, lineup, you know, she's become the favored, The fa- she's not a rookie, but she's become the favored new face there, and and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think also uh, Dames knew that she'd be up against Sofia Huerta, and I think that he thought that she was the right person to take that task on. Um, midfield, again, kind of what we expected. It's very similar both in the midfield and in the front line to what we saw in the second half against Utah after Gatra had to come out with injury, so McCaskill slides in, which it's, it's a different, it's definitely... A different skill set to have McCaskill come in for Gatra because Gatra really is an eight, whereas McCaskill thrives a little bit pushing forward a little bit more with more of a 210 system with Colaprico really playing cleanup in the back. And it requires a lot from Colaprico, who I thought was also very good in this match. Um, And then the front line, uh, Hill moved centrally like she did against Utah, um, and Katie Johnson got the start um, as the 11. And uh, yeah, I mean, basically, and I said this at the time, I think that it is the lineup that absolutely made the most sense with what they have available to them.
0: Yeah. Uh, hard to argue there. I, I remember when we did uh, you know, our preview for Southside Trap patrons, uh, we did put out that this was going to be the starting 11. Uh, we did feel like this was probably going to be potentially the best 11 for them moving forward into their knockouts. Considering, uh, yes, the injury report that had occurred, but also the remaining personnel in place, I do want to shout out a player like Bianca St. George's. I think considering her, her play this year for the first time and uh, throughout the group stages, probably really earning that spot in the starting 11. So shout out to her for being able to really just kind of go out there and earn it. Uh, But I was eager to see the top line and their movement and what they could do in this game with sort of the added, I don't know, pressure, but just added element overall of a playoff vibe. You got a number of players here who like have those experiences. Uh, And yes, this was a quarterfinal and yes, everybody made it, but the outcome of this one is different from all those other group games you were playing. Um, you don't advance, you're, you're done with soccer in the challenge cup. So I was eager to sort of um, see maybe a different response from this team, a different type of urgency for, for this game. And not just from the starting 11, but from, from that top of the line, especially just because of what we had heard you know, during media availabilities, you know, from players there, it's not, it's not lost on them guys, you know, like they understand they're the players, you know, they understand uh, what's happening and what's, what's not happening for them uh, on the pit. So I, I was looking forward to um, seeing that. And I was also looking forward to seeing how the mid was going to maybe set the tone, possibly dictate some things because when we were looking on the other side of the ball, Another other side of things, and we're talking about those two players, like a player like Jess Fishlock, that's someone who can literally set the tempo for the midfield and the game uh, for a team like Ole Reign. So for them, they had Casey Murphy back in that, uh, Lauren Barnes, Amber Brooks, Alana Cook, uh, Steph Cox, Shirley Cruz, Kristen McNabb, uh, Jess Fishlock, Sophia Huerta, Darian Jenkins, and Jody Taylor to run out their starting 11. And I'm not going to front. When I looked at that starting 11, I thought this could be trouble. That was my initial reaction to that. I looked at the personnel in that starting 11 for the opposition, and I thought that, you know, a player like Jess Fishlock, a brain legend, but also a Red Stars menace, someone who has just caused the Red Stars problems. Um, Seeing a player like Steph Cox, and I don't feel like we've spoken about her enough during this tournament and her sort of resurgence in return, In playing to the rain at the outside back position and how she can get involved involved in attacks, but also shut things down. Um, and obviously a player like Sofia Huerta, who was building on her minutes, uh, but just sort of has a nose for goal. And I thought, yeah, she could probably give that back line some fits. Um, but yeah, just you look at some of these players and you think that's a good starting eleven for Ola Ring.
1: Yeah, um, I think. I think increasingly this is league wide um, as we've watched all of these games, I've, I've come to the conclusion, my personal conclusion that if you have players that are on a minute restriction, either because they're working their way back into fitness or anything else, I think you need to start them. Um, I think we saw, especially in the game between Washington and sky blue that um, the approach, kind of the tried and true approach of putting the fresh legs on at the end of the match doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense when your own players are also that exhausted. Um, So I think the OL rain starting Querta and starting Fishlock, knowing that they probably weren't getting a full ninety out of them, was a really smart thing to do. Um, I think probably the weirdest thing in that rain lineup was Brooks in the center and Barnes outside, um, which I think they were. Con- I think basically they were conceding, conceding maybe some sturdiness in the center to have something stronger on the wings. When when you're playing Chicago right now, that makes a lot of sense. But it also sets up for a little bit of a lopsided kind of power dynamic, I think, um, on the rain back line. But obviously the rain were right because uh, Chicago wasn't able to ultimately capitalize um, in the center there, despite the fact that they had kind of an odd odd formation in the back. Um, But yeah, I mean, my thought with the rain is always you look at that lineup and you say, wow, those are a lot of really top class footballers. Um, And the question is just whether or not they can turn that into something scary, and I think that uh, they're not quite there yet. Uh, we'll I'll be really interested to see what happens next year. but um, no, I mean, I think that the the coaching philosophy is a little bit of a work in progress, but I like a lot of their team. I think that their players are very good and um, I, I think that that they they in a, you know, they brought quality on on Saturday, but similarly, they just can't quite turn that into production
0: yeah I mean we're gonna start getting into the the game now here folks um after going through these starting 11s for you guys uh, again just to reiterate we are gonna sort of just speak on the 90 minutes holistically we're gonna break down probably half one half two then uh evaluate the lines here for you guys and then get into these penalty kicks and honestly Claire I think Maybe, and of course, it's just you and I, so maybe we could just speak for ourselves here. Um, But, you know, we watched a lot of Red Stars games. We watched a lot of Chicago Red Stars games. And we saw in the opening kickoff, you know, for us, for people who go here, you know, I I say that a lot here for us in our community. um, We weren't too surprised to see the Red Stars kind of come out pressed a little bit, looked like they wanted to push for a goal really, really early on. And uh, there was some good looks on goal for them. Uh, kind of feel like if one went in, it might have played into their initial game plan. Uh, but the problem is, didn't. What did you think of these uh, first 15?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wrote about this extensively in my recap, um, which if you are a Southside Trap uh, Patreon subscriber, you got. Um, but yeah, so you know, I think I think this strategy works really great when it works. Um, I think that getting you know pressing early, getting that first goal, Chicago never—they really don't lose or even tie a lot when that happens. Um, it's a great recipe for success uh, when it is successful. When it is not, um, it puts the team in a bit of a tough situation. I mean, obviously, Julie Ertz had a very good chance um, based off of a corner that they earned on that press. You know, like that was all going according to plan. Uh, she just hit it weird. And and we'll talk about this probably more as the game plays out. I think that um, multiple teams and multiple games, you have these chances, and you can just kind of tell that they're overplacing it you know, she had a tap in and she tried to go, she tried to go across the goalkeeper far post. And it's like, well, you really could have just hammered that thing in. And that might've made a little bit more sense, but I think people are trying very hard to fix what is, what is ailing them (laughs) in perhaps a way that is a little bit uh, less uh, productive than if they just kind of turn their brains off a little bit. But um but yeah, because then afterwards, basically, you press for the first 15 minutes. It doesn't make sense fitness-wise to sustain that. And also, eventually, the other team will adjust, and they'll learn how to break that press. Um, and then it forces Chicago to go into kind of this low-mid block that is pretty effective defensively. Like, that's not truly the issue. It's more just that it doesn't really help them go forward, um, and they haven't altered the game state. So they're kind of back where they started, but the big gambit uh, has passed. And so what do you do after that? And Sometimes Chicago has adjusted. I'm sure if Chicago was healthier, they probably would feel like they had more um, weapons in their arsenal in that way. But um, I think they just kind of settled in for the grind after that, and uh, you know, they advanced. It's just kind of hard to watch sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's fair to say that you and I went through some uh, emotional up and downs, a little bit of a roller coaster uh, during. A match like this, in terms of taking it in and watching it, you know, just to watch it, but also knowing that you're gonna cover it in some capacity and uh it was it was a real wild and also kind of unfortunate first fifteen minutes there for the red stars. I mean for people who weren't able to grab the game, and if're your insight to that, I mean just just for giggles, let's just you know take a look at maybe some of these opportunities you're talking a chance. A chance by Di Bernardo. Uh, you know, McCaskill got on there as well. You're talking about that Julie Ertz opportunity off a set piece. That would have been crazy. I know people would have been, like, losing their minds if the Red Stars would have scored on an actual set piece, a corner set piece. Um, you know, you're talking about an additional opportunity from Katie Johnson in, like, the 11th or 12th minute that was off the post, and and it just goes on. And then, like Claire says, an adjustment was made on the rain, and they kind of took that away. Uh, they started getting their own opportunities on goal. You started seeing a lot of work being put in from players like Sofia Huerta, like Jess Fishlock, both of them getting opportunities. Um, I thought Darian Jenkins had her best game of the tournament in this match, even though she went out and earned herself the yellow after having some uh, some individual battles there against the back line in the Sarah Gordon. But it was definitely – an interesting momentum shift as things went into A, the first hydration break, right? And then B, ultimately ending into halftime.
1: I did very much enjoy the battle between Sofia Huerta and Bianca St. George's. I thought that that was very fun. There was a lot of personality there. Um, I love seeing Sofia Huerta play well, I thought she looked great. Um, best she's looked in a long time and so happy for her. Um, and also happy that BSG was just like, well, I can handle that. And, uh, they they got into it. Yeah. She earned
0: herself a yellow, my dudes. Bianca San Georgia said, gimme. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to earn this yellow today. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, I got to give it to her. I, I said that watching a player like that earn a start you want to see you want to see them go after it right in a game like this and there were some good individual battles between them a couple that were won a couple that were lost um but that was definitely a lot of fun to watch and I like Sarah Gordon also versus Darian Jenga that was a lot yep. of fun for for me to watch uh, and of course as always I really enjoyed watching Julie Ertz versus everybody everybody <laughs> yeah uh if you guys haven't there's some fun stuff on the NWL site. Take a look at a heat map; it was all over the place. Um, but yeah, I, I think at one point too, one of my goofy reactions was like, you know, the thing about hydration breaks is that both teams get them, and uh, you just saw the rain really just work their way back in to the game, getting their opportunities on goal, and uh, it remained that way as they went into halftime. So when you're going into the second half right especially of a knockout round Uh, I think you're looking for well initial plan A right didn't go according to plan what are some of the adjustments that we're going to make or that we need to make uh, in order to try and seal this game up right and it's I think you have to think of those scenarios especially within the challenge cup because you know that ultimately there's not going to be stoppage time. The rules were adjusted so that, yeah, you get a bunch of subs. And if you don't end in 90 minutes, it's going to go straight to penalty kicks, which I'm cool with that. Like I thought that 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 made a lot of sense going into the challenge cup. Uh, I think that's better for the the health of the players and um, overall fitness. So it made sense. So I think having that and preparing for that type of stuff, in a game like this, you're gonna to want to see those initial second half adjustments, especially if you're kind of deadlocked at zero zero after a first half and for the red stars, we saw them come on out and they tried to you know they had like a quick attempt i think right off of the right off of the uh the jump i think maybe within the first five minutes um Katie Johnson, Vanessa DiBernardo getting themselves involved, Savannah McCaskill getting herself involved as well. Uh, But, you know, seeing O.L. Rain again, also combating what the Red Stars were trying to put out there. And we saw, uh, you know, even if you're just looking at the numbers of this game, uh, the shot totals and the shot on goal totals that ended up rolling out within the full 90 minutes are all in favor of O.L. Rain
1: yeah um I mean Alyssa Nair had to have another good match um to keep the red stars in it um more was asked of asked of her than what was asked of Casey Murphy on the other side uh yeah it um yeah the second half it it, it was one of those things where I think that both teams then were you know pretty committed to just wearing the other side down and figuring out placement and all of that sort of stuff and i think that the rain at this point um maybe it's just due to the veteran nature of that squad or just the fact that they did have you know kind of an intensive preseason in montana where they had a little bit more time um they were able to unlock that a little bit better than chicago was um i would say that the rain looked less like a team in preseason than chicago did Um, despite the fact that obviously the scoreline ended 0-0, but I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, and we say this all the time, you know, the way that Chicago is set up right now is good in a way in that they are relying on players that can be relied upon. They rely a lot on Danny Colaprico. They rely a lot on Julie Ertz. They rely a lot on Casey Short and Alyssa Nair. Like, they rely on their core um, to keep them in these games and then support the players who are having a little bit of a harder time um is it great that that is true no are other teams in the league doing a similar thing right now yeah i mean i just think that it's one of the things about this tournament um is that you unfortunately especially once you get into the knockout rounds you really have to rely on your known properties um and then kind of try to build off of that um i'm just not sure chicago did a ton of building off of that in this game
0: yeah, again, I just, with the second half, you're, you're looking at those adjustments and we're eventually going to wrap up these second half thoughts and maybe kind of go line by line where we can maybe talk about uh, more specific individual uh, performances. But, you know, I think before we maybe try to wrap up this second half, I do want to point out probably one of the better opportunities within this second half. You know, I've been talking a lot about it. Claire's been talking a lot about it. She's not on the score sheet right now, but we're loving the work that a player like Khalil Watt is putting in. Um, watching her opportunity on goal in the second half was just vintage Kalia Watt. Looking at her movement, watching her just completely drag an entire back line within the box was beyond impressive. And you could tell how gutted she was at not being able to finish that opportunity. Uh, but the amount of joy I felt actually watching that type of offensive opportunity take place, uh, yeah, Mar was, uh, was exploding. It was, it was great to see that out of a player like her.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like we said back, was it in the North Carolina game? Um, what more than anybody right now is creating her own opportunities, um, in a way that not a lot of other offensive players for Chicago are, um, So I think it's, it's positive that you can point to these plays and be like, she did that. She did, she was the one who put herself in that position. Um, And then, like I said, I think that, um, you know, I think that unfortunately it's just true that a, you know, if you're a striker and you're not scoring, it can get in your head. I think B um, if you're not in a regular season and you have no time and it's winter go home and you've only been playing for like six weeks that gets in your head. I think that, um, and this is, why this is, again, this is not just a Red Stars comment. This is an across the league comment. I just think that these offensive players are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to do the perfect ball and just place it perfectly. Um, and I think that they're just trying too hard and they don't have time to relax because of course they don't, they're moving into the semifinals. This isn't going to improve. So it's, um, it's, it's just indicative of the situation Um especially and I want to say that for Chicago I'm really talking about a player like Watt um, because I think that she is doing a lot of things right and she is doing a lot of things in the Chicago Red Stars jersey that we didn't see her do in a Houston Dash jersey last year like she is improving um it's just that final piece and shaking that miss off and not letting that make the you know the mental issue worse um yeah it'll come I would be very sad if she doesn't get at least won this tournament but we talked about this before we started you know I think there's no reason to believe if this were not a regular season she'd have a couple by now
0: yeah I think that's fair you know I uh again it was just just another game where I just uh I appreciated her work rate and her effort really just whether it was directly in front of goal or off the ball um, trying to make things happen uh, for the team. And, you know, as it got later into the game, that opportunity came, what, probably around the 68th minute or so. So as it kind of pushed into the 70th minute later into the game, post, you know, second hydration break, you started to see some substitutions that were being made for the Red Stars, uh, maybe in an effort to try to, you know, push for some more of those late game heroics and I I do want to talk about these substitutions for a quick second because one of those substitutions was for Ella Stevens who was going to come on in place of Savannah McCaskill and while we have uh shared some praise for the play of some first year red stars uh, Bianca St. George's we saw her get a start and earn that start in this game and a player like Ella Stevens uh I think earned her sort of depth role in terms of a player to come off of the bench and impact a game. And we are super uh, high on Ella Stevens here. We've liked what we saw out of her, out of that Portland game. thought she had a really good performance and uh, her experiences in knockouts during the college stages, I think also excited us about potentially seeing her in a position like this to come off the bench and impact things. And unfortunately As soon as she came on and tried to take a touch on the ball, she had to come out due to injury. It didn't look great. We're actually still waiting on an update from that uh and we wish her the best it was just really such a unfortunate moment to really kind of close out the game and you're talking around maybe the 80th minute or so and that that stuff lingers that stuff lingers in a knockout match when you're trying to make an impact and then you end up not being able to you have to utilize an additional sub on your sub that just came down it was uh it was a lot and while the red stars tried to you know, maybe revert some good old-fashioned long ball and try to just swing him in there. And unfortunately, just didn't happen. Uh, there were no additional late-game heroics, as we have seen from the Red Stars and know that they are capable of. And this game ended in a scoreless draw, 0-0. So the two teams that found themselves struggling in front of goal during their group stages continued to have some of those struggles during their 90 minute, uh, regulated quarter final. And, uh, eventually this game had to be determined on penalty kicks. Claire, just for final context of this 90 minutes line by line, I think we've been doing that for these episodes and for our subscribers and listeners. Uh, for me, uh, you know, the, the back line, the, the defensive line there, uh, not a whole lot for me in terms of being like, uh, you didn't do a good job. They did a great job. The the defense did what they always did and the, how, the, what they've been doing during this tournament, they were outstanding and you can understand why um, maybe something like a game plan that was maybe like, let's get a goal early and then just shut things down. It makes a lot of sense for a team like the red stars with a back line of St. George's and a center back pairing of Ertz and Gordon with Casey Shore rounding things off on the opposite end um another great performance from the defense once again and uh for you know the starting mid i mean guys we said it from the jump i'm not going to change that to now danny colaprico is the shit she absolutely worked her way into this tournament and somehow got stronger question mark, throughout everything uh just a phenomenal phenomenal midfielder player and great performance.
1: I'm not sure there's a single press breaker better in the entire league than Danny Colaprico. Like you, it's little moments, it's little, little moments, but they come in at her and she is immediately able to deviate the ball away. It looks like nothing. It looks like she had to take one little touch and that press has been broken. And I just, yeah, I have really enjoyed watching her, um, in this tournament. And especially, like you said, I'm, I'm amazed at what she's been able to do considering the fact that she was only 30 minutes fit um, at the beginning of the tournament.
0: Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I, uh, you know, we've talked about a player like Savannah McCaskill and her improvement and her outlook coming into this tournament and watching some of the work that she's been doing, whether it's been trying to set up others or taking a couple of shots from distance. Right. we even saw that, in this match. And then a player like Vanessa DiBernardo, you know, helping to kind of run out that mid and continue play through. And for the top line, you know, we saw them continue their struggles in this match. You know, we just went over probably the best opportunity from a forward throughout really this entire tournament, not just during this quarterfinal. We saw Katie Johnson almost get one. Uh, Fortunately the age old nemesis of the post, Got in the way. uh, Great opportunity there. And uh, we actually were a little confused when we were watching the game a little bit and then kind of analyzing it post um, because of where Rachel Hill was slotted in as as the nine. But we saw a lot of movement from her out on the wing for some reason. And it just looked like some disjointed play there happening within not just the group stages, but also in this quarterfinal. We think maybe evaluating some of these heat maps, looking at some of the touches, maybe trying to put those things together, maybe trying to see some adjustments can possibly help this team out going forward into the semis. What did you think of that top-line performance, Claire? I mean, yeah, they were a mess.
1: I mean, I don't know. There's – it's – I am not – I'm really trying to be patient with them. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's hard hard when – so so you have watt on the left side you have katie johnson on the right you have hill in the middle um none of this so few of hill's touches on the ball were in the middle of the offense she drifted right for the whole game um she this was another game where she did not record a shot um And, and yeah, if you look at, if you look at some of the distribution from, from Johnson and Hill, they completely, they didn't cancel each other out, but they were just like on top of each other the whole game. Um, and, and I don't know if that was Hill trying to work her way in. Um, I think that probably, uh, just by the nature of things, taking someone who's been playing winger and moving them inside, um, naturally is going to be a more difficult transition I think that they're probably going to go to the areas of the pitch they were in for the last you know two or three weeks um but it ultimately just led to Chicago not having that many central options and so I think that you know you have this work rate by Watt or by McCaskill or by Johnson um and And there's no one really to to feed it to, especially once you get to later in this game where you need things to be moving quickly. Um, yeah, i um and that honestly is not really on the players. That is a that's a coach. that's a system issue. that is that is something where it looks like players um, are not entirely sure where they need to be or if they were assigned a role are having trouble sticking to it. Um, part of that has to do with just how fluid all of this has been for the last month or so. Um, and the fact that they just don't have really any time to work on it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's easy to point to individual performances and those definitely need to be evaluated. But I also just think that, um, what we saw from Chicago in the front line was not clear. And I just, this is just always true. I think if you add an element of confusion, um, people are going to really struggle to produce, especially in a tournament where it just seems like not, and nobody is getting that many quality chances. Um, so yeah, so, um, but the great news is that uh, it didn't matter. So.
0: Didn't matter, baby. Cause this game got decided on penalty kicks. And I think we got to actually talk about some of these performances on penalty kicks to be quite frank. I mean, I think for Claire, for you and I, in this podcast, specifically um you know we if this is your first episode listening we'll, we'll fill you in if some of you have been riding with us for a while you already know you know we we understand very well the expectations going into a tournament like this and for us personally we wanted to keep them very low we thought in fairness to really the players and also the league and the sport uh 2020 for professional sports is just real fake, guys. (laughs) There's a lot of getting readjusted to the concept of playing a pro sport in this year. And we're watching NWSL and we're watching Chicago Red Stars do that. And they've been doing it as like the first pro team contact sport to come back in 2020. So, As we evaluate, you know, line by line, as we go through games and situations and stuff like that, uh, we are fully aware of the difficulties in which these players are being asked to basically perform. Uh, It's not easy. And that is why I think everyone is also super on board with these types of games going straight to penalty kicks. You never like to see a game determined by penalty kicks, because it sucks. It's a different layer of pressure, right? We're already talking about pressure that maybe some players are feeling. We've been hearing a lot about that as these players are um, existing in the bubble, no matter what club they're with and what team they're representing. Um, And we're seeing that play out on the pitch as so many teams have had struggle in front of goals. Guys, it's not just Chicago. So um, watching the performance of players converting their penalty kicks has added a different layer of appreciation for me as someone who has covered the red stars for quite some time. Um, Claire and I had spoke prior to doing this episode for you guys. And we thought we were really excited because this is actually the first time we're ever going to get to talk about a penalty kick shootout in nw history for Chicago West stars. So we were kind of excited about that. Uh, prior to this game going to penalty kicks, there were two other games that ended up having to be decided on penalty kicks. So for the quarterfinals, it's definitely been a rise of goalkeeping performances. There has been some great goalkeeping performances in these games.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, except for this one. <laughs> In the penalties, I mean.
0: <laughs> for these penalty kicks, it turns out Alyssa Nair just needs to exist. Just
1: needs the vibe, you know?
0: She just needs to exist, you guys. And things just happen. The penalty kick out ended up going down as follows. O.L. Rain were tasked with kicking off the penalty kicks. And Shirley Cruz a legend in her own right, Costa Rican international lethal on penalty kicks in front of goal was chosen as their first penalty kick taker steps up to the point and misses her kick and Alyssa Nair just had to be there. She just had to be there and it set up an interesting course of events to be quite honest, because again we had never covered the red stars in a penalty kick shootout um weren't too sure what to expect who would be the top person who would be the number one who would potentially be the tiebreaker etc things like that all those scenarios come into play when you're going through a penalty kick shootout so for Chicago of course they went with a defender it's the defenders who have been scoring good goals in this tournament for them and Julie Ertz Team captain stepped up to the point and took such a lethal penalty kick. It was taken with so much confidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of penalty that can go wrong if you don't do it right. Um, yeah, I mean, she she yeet, just yeeted that ball into the goal. And the funny thing, actually, as we'll talk about this, which is that other than Watt, the rest of the red stars placed their penalties right where Ertz placed hers. (laughs) And so I just, it really was just like, she did that. And then everyone was like, okay, I can do that. I can do, I will do that. Because I think we're seeing with a lot of these penalties is that for whatever reason, these players come up and it doesn't seem like they're sure where they want to go. Like they haven't picked their spot before they go up. And that's why we're getting some real kind of lousy, saveable penalties. Um, NWSL players aren't good at penalties in general, actually. I think that this process is great for them in terms of getting some of that out of their system. But um, but yeah, so so Ertz, yeah, she puts it upper 90, uh, right-hand side of the goal, um, and that was it. That was the blueprint uh, for a Chicago Red Stars victory.
0: That truly was it. As the rest of these penalty kicks were taken, both of these teams exchanged converting of penalty kicks. You had Nicomo Miki for rain, convert hers, Vanessa DiBernardo, follow suit, score hers, Darian Jenkins for all rain, score hers, Kalia Watt, very good penalty kick, scored hers. You had Bethany Balser, who had subbed into the game. Come on, convert her penalty kick. And Rachel Hill got to come up and actually convert her penalty kick as well. So congrats to Rachel Hill and Kalia Watt for scoring their penalty kicks in this quarterfinal match. And with that initial miss, it ended up coming down to the final penalty kick for O.L. Reign. And they started with a legend and they wanted to end with an additional legend. And Lou Barnes stepped up to the point. You're talking about someone who has been with the Reign for quite some time, has taken some penalty kicks in her life and uh, is very good at them. And once again, just the sheer presence of a listener caused a miss. Lou Barnes' attempt went off the post, ricocheted out, and a listener told her team to calm down because there's still work to do.
1: I mean, yeah, I think um it was actually pretty funny because uh I believe every other penalty shootout has ended with a save, correct? Not with a miss. Yeah. So, so you know, they were stoked. They were, like, excited. They were, you know, happy that they made it and all of that good stuff. And, you know, the whole – honestly, the penalties were, like, a very good vibe for the Red Stars, like, the whole time. They were confident. You know, I'm sure Cruz having, you know, missing the first penalty helped with that. Um, But yeah, I'm sure Nair was like, well, I didn't really, I didn't do anything. But then the team was like, yes, but we love you anyway. And we love that you're you. And so the vibe was very funny because it was less of a celebration of what had just occurred and more just like a big group hug because they love each other.
0: (laughs) It was nice, man. It's, it's nice to have nice things to hang on to during this time. Right. And I am glad that the Chicago red stars got themselves a moment. I'm super proud that so many players stepped up and converted their PKs guys. That is not easy to do. Number one, I can't imagine how much more pressure there is to do that in the year 2020 in an empty stadium, empty stadium where you only have your thoughts crowding your brain. It's ridiculous. And, um, it, they were good penalty kicks. I was impressed by that, too, because we had seen some questionable ones. Some of the saves that some of these other keepers have made, have, you're talking about soft directly to them. And with this one, you just saw some confident, assertive penalty kick shooting. And it was nice to see. It was nice to know that the Red Stars have players who uh, are going into the semifinal with players who feel confident in taking a penalty kick, guys. Uh, I think that that's probably the biggest plus to come out of a game like this so as the red stars advanced on their penalty penalty kicks three to four uh that meant that they are going to match up against sky blue fc a team that also had a match go to corner finals and they've advanced as well they eliminated washington spirit the number two ranked team in this tournament a team that had made a lot of noise turned a lot of heads and kind of made a statement saying hey we've arrived we feel like we're going to compete with these other top tier teams And Sky Blue said, sorry, that's going to be on hold. And uh, Kaitlin Sheridan made a few saves, and they're going to be facing off against Chicago in this semifinal taking place on Wednesday. So in terms of these two teams matching up, I don't know. You got to feel like maybe the Red Stars figured some things out, but if you're Sky Blue, you got to feel the same way. What do you think, Claire?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I was thinking about that today where if theoretically – if Chicago makes it to the final and so do the Houston dash, Chicago will have played every other team at the tournament. It's kind of crazy how Chicago keeps playing new teams. Um, They're the only ones that haven't had really a repeat yet, um, which is kind of fun for us. I think Um, difficult in some ways, but we get to like talk about new teams every time, which is exciting. Um, But uh, yeah, I think this could be, I mean, they're on super short rest Saturday to Wednesday. That's really hard. Um, they're finally going to be playing on grass, which is good. I think that will actually improve play a lot. I think that we've seen over the last couple of weeks because they've been training on grass. So you see things, errant passes or shots with a little too much on them. I would hope that some of that will improve when the things that they're practicing are being executed on the same surface. Um Sky Blue's another one that I think has some kind of lingering injuries that they're working through. I'm not sure Midge Purse right now is 90 minutes fit. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it could be another kind of slow game. I think every game might be a slow game from now on. I mean, this is truly just like the (laughs) – it's like the evil dead or something. The last team standing is just going to be like <laughs> battered and bruised, but they'll be there. Um, but no, I'm excited. I I, I like sky blue. I, I like what they've been doing. They similarly are in kind of a recalibration, kind of a rebuild. And um, I think Chicago has to like their chances, certainly. Uh, but also as we've seen, this is real knockout soccer and truly anything can happen. So um, – Yeah, really hard to say, honestly. Yeah,
0: I don't disagree with you. I I think Sky Blue, similarly to Chicago, tried to utilize their group play to just establish chemistry and fill out their formations and, and like, analyze individual performances on their roster. Uh, I'm in agreement that a player like Mitch Burst is significant to that team and there's a question mark, you know, around around her injury right now. She's, she's going, but the last match we didn't see her go full 90. She had to get subbed out for an equally play good player in Sabrina Flores, someone who's also capable of shutting things down and getting involved in attacks. Um, so I think that that's, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of a next factor for them, that they kind of have, one player who can be real good at that position and they have another player who can be real good at that position. So whether one is 90 minutes fit or not, they've got two players who could go at it for 90. Um, So I think that that's something to look out for, for Sky Blue. And um, they had a game in their group stage where they had a multi-goal game. So that's kind of cool too, because the Red Stars haven't had one of those in quite some time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Sky Blue – Truly, I mean, I'm really talking myself into this right now because Sky Blue also has this midfield trio that's really been working some stuff out recently with Sarah Woldmo um, – uh, oh, gosh – what's her first name? Jennifer Cujo, Jennifer Cujo and, um, and, uh, and McCall Zerboni and they figured out a really interesting system where Zerboni plays kind of a defensive 10 Cujo has some free reign kind of in between as the eight. And then Wolmo has been doing just a fantastic job in that six. She's like a Colaprico type in her own right. Um, and, and, um, and I think that, so that lined up with what Chicago is able to do. No idea if Morgan Gatra will be available at all wouldn't be shocked if she wasn't, wouldn't be shocked if she did maybe a half hour. It just depends on how she's feeling. Um, and I think, so I think that battle is going to be very, very interesting. Um, and then, yeah, if Yoma Anumanu has been very, um, exciting for Sky Blue. I, I rate her a lot as a player. I think she was great for the rain last year. I thought she was good for Portland prior. Um, I think that, And I think just for them, though, too, it's just going to depend on kind of how they're feeling physically, whether they can execute, um, because they are another team that sometimes just doesn't quite have all the pieces clicking. Um, So the game could be really solid, or it could be a little bit disjointed from both sides. And I'm not entirely sure exactly what we're going to see.
0: No, I feel you on that 100%. I know we spoke a little bit about players that we're looking forward to seeing on Sky Blue side. Claire, who do you think has to have a big game or an impact in Chicago's game?
1: Um, I think you know, I would love to see a little bit more from Vanessa DiBernardo. Um, I think that she quietly is having a very solid tournament. Her passing accuracy numbers have been mostly very good. Um, But she's not, she doesn't get her name called a ton. Um, she's kind of slipping in and out of lines, all of that sort of stuff. Um, I think that it doesn't help that there's no established presence centrally because she's really good at feeding a center forward. She doesn't really have one right now. So what can she do to make herself more effective without having that particular outlet? I'm not sure the, there's an answer, but, um, I would say that I, I would love for DiRenardo to get a little bit – to have a little bit of a larger impact and be able to circumvent the fact that they don't really have someone centrally up top who has been effective.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think I'll just piggyback and say maybe a player like Savannah McCaskill as well for me. I'm, right. I'm Basically, I'm looking for the midfielders to get more involved, yep. not yep. that they haven't. Like you said, they've been putting in a lot of work, I think, next to the back line. They've got more or less their stuff figured out, um, but I think when it comes to having to make adjustments as the tournament goes on, when we're talking about maybe seeing some more, maybe we're really talking about just try shooting a little bit.
1: I think so, I think McCaskill and DiBernardo should try to figure out how to become the central offense. Essentially,
0: I don't. I think uh, there's going to be no harm in trying some stuff, even yeah. in the semifinal, and even if that means having your midfielders shoot, that could be something that could shake things up, essentially. Um, so I'm in agreement with you, Claire, 100%. Uh, would like to see DiBernardo. And uh, I'm not too sure if they're going to give McCaskill the start, you know, out of coming out of a quarterfinal, you know. Uh, but if she does, I'd really like to see the both of them get involved. And I think that'll maybe uh, get some different looks for the top line, who also I'm not too sure how they're going to roll out as well. So there's a lot of competition. Uh we've heard numerous times, you know, in terms of all of the forward core that's there. Uh so we'll see how they line up on that day. Uh but those are a few players that we want to uh, maybe look for for impacts and uh, I think they're capable of it. So I'm looking forward to the semifinal, guys. It's the semifinals. Uh Chicago Red Star it's semifinal exciting. is always a vibe, guys. Yeah. Lean into it, get excited about it. You should. Uh, again once again as always we've been saying you know take the moments to reflect and recognize like hey like we actually do have nwsl soccer back and we're able to watch it and i say take that to the next level and say the red stars are still in it well, Yeah, why not win they, it
1: you know they might
0: win it you never know you never know guys 2020 is a crazy year so get hyped for the semi-final Stay with us, Claire, if the people want to engage with you. If you've got any work coming up, let them know where they can find you, how they can support.
1: Yeah, um, man, these game days are coming up very quickly. Uh, not a lot of room for extra reflection. You know, we've got Wednesday, and then if they advance, we've got Sunday. Do, I will absolutely do my very best to try to keep up on on top of everything happening this week. Um Honestly, like, this is where we should probably start saying, uh, stick with us after Chicago's tournament ends. We have a lot of stuff planned for that as well. Um, So, yeah, just follow us on the Patreon. Follow Southside Trap. um, Yeah, all of that good stuff. Um, But, yeah, I think probably, you know, we're going to do everything we can to tell you what's happening with the team right now. And then once the tournament ends, we can start doing some more long-form stuff about what we all experienced this month.
0: 100 percent guys it's been a crazy journey it's one that we're still on it's one that we hope that we still get to stay on during you know this challenge cup uh support Southside trap on the patreon uh please subscribe if you are able uh we understand that some people are unable during this time and we understand and respect that wholeheartedly. But we just want to let you know that even if you're unable to find yourself subscribing to a tier, there are still so many ways that you can continue your support of Southside Trap. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. You can find us on streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. So go ahead and find us, give us a like, Uh, subscribe give us a rating give us a review that stuff helps us out tremendously when we're trying to produce the best red stars podcast that we can for you all so stay tuned we will be back next week with a recap of the semi-final guys so wash your hands wash your face wash your everything wear your mask please continue your support for black lives and we'll see you soon